Once again, good morning. Good morning. We are thankful to be together. We're thankful that you are here with the expressed desire to render worship unto the one who brought us here, and to the one who cares for us uh, the most. We're going to notice a study of peace this morning. A study of peace. Peace, as you know, is that calmness of the soul, no matter what is happening around, there's a calmness of soul because due to our relationship with God. A couple of favorite verses first I want to share with you. Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Numbers chapter 6. 24 to 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord's countenance come upon you and may He give you peace. Peace. Another favorite, Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on the Lord. He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on the Lord. The quest for peace is common. It's it's within everybody. It's the way God made us. Notice a verse as we are trying to get started here. John 14, 27. Where Jesus said, My peace I leave with you, but not as the world gives. And notice what he said there. My peace I leave with you, but not as the world gives. So that shows right there that everybody is searching for peace. Those who might be interested in Christ, but also those of the world. Everybody's searching. Everybody's coming up with solutions. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. And so, notice together this morning several features of peace. I wish we had more time to... Spend in each of these, but notice several features of peace as we look at an overall study of peace. It begins with the gospel of peace. Paul mentions this in Ephesians 6 verse 15. It begins with the gospel of peace. It begins here because in the gospel, in the word of God, we can read about peace and we can learn about it and we can go back uh, to it. You see... Peace does not come from a bubbly feeling that we have. It doesn't come from a bubbly feeling uh, that we have. No, uh, it is found uh, in the gospel. Found in the gospel. Peace does not come from some mysterious experience that we might or might not have. No, uh, peace comes from the gospel. Ephesians 6.15, it is the gospel of 
of peace. Notice Jesus' words here in, in John 16 and 33 as he talks about peace. And notice his words carefully. John 16, 33. Jesus said, These words I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. Notice that. Where does peace come from? Notice the words again, John 16, 33. These words I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. Peace comes from the words that have been spoken by Christ. And thankfully, how thankful we are that we have these words now recorded for us in the Holy Scriptures, in the New Testament uh, particularly. Okay. You see, peace is grounded in words of God, in the truth of God. Peace is grounded in the knowledge that we get from the words and Scriptures of God. It's grounded in facts. It's grounded in, in history. And we can go back and check it and look at it and learn it. And we can go back and relearn it. We don't have to guess about things. We can, we can know that peace is available. So first of all, we begin with the gospel of peace. And then we go to the God of peace. We go to the God of peace. Again, Paul mentions this phrase. Romans 15.33, he simply says, May the God of peace be with you. The God of peace. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Paul says, Now, may the God of peace sanctify you wholly. Holy. The God of peace. He mentions the God of peace also in Philippians 4 and verse 9. And so we go from the gospel of peace to the God of peace. Peace comes from God Himself. That's why it passes all understanding. Philippians 4 verse 7 says this peace that can come from God passes, surpasses all understanding. That means that this peace is beyond our ability to fully comprehend. We admit that. This peace is beyond our ability to fully comprehend. I mean, who can fully grasp all that God has done for us? In bringing us salvation. Who can really get their arms around all the love, all the mercy, all the patience, all the kindness, all the power, all the timing that had to work out for God to bring us salvation in Christ. So it means that we simply cannot fully comprehend it. Second Corinthians 9.15, Paul says, Thanks be to God for His unspeakable gift. Talking about Christ. Or, thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. Talking about Christ. You see, it's, it's even for Paul, he couldn't get all the words together to be able to express thanks unto God. And this peace that passes understanding, coming from the God of peace, it is beyond our ability to create it. It's beyond our ability to create it. No one can create it except the Lord God. Absolutely uh, no one. No one can. Jeremiah 10, 23 says, The way of man is not in himself. 
It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. We can't come up with it. Only the Lord God uh, can do that. No one person, no two people, no family, no group of people, no group of scientists, no group of psychologists, no group of of well-meaning, good-hearted people can come up for us with a way of peace. Only the God of peace can bring that to us. Let's make it personal. I need to look to God many times, and I do, and say, God, I cannot fix myself. I can't do it. And the same is with you. You cannot fix yourself. We depend on the Lord for this. And so in a very humble way, we look to God and to His Word and say, Lord, I can't fix any of this. I'm dependent totally upon you. And so it begins with the gospel of peace. And then we go to the God of peace. And then in the next place, there's the price of peace. The price of peace. Sin is the great disturber of all things. Sin separates us from God, according to Isaiah 59. It even makes us rebellious. It makes us enemies of God, according to James 4 and verse 4. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. He that would be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You see. Therefore, there had to be a price paid for sin. And we look to Jesus. Isaiah 9 verse 6 says, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of Peace. We look to Him. You see, Jesus on the cross, He endured that cross, taking on the penalty for sin. Taking on the penalty for sin. Like Galatians 1 verse 4 says, He gave Himself for us. He took it all on Himself. We remember that. These songs that we've been singing together this morning have brought this this kind of message out. We remember this around the the Lord's table. We remember this in our daily lives. Jesus took on the penalty for sin for us. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but God said, I love you. I'm going to send my son in your behalf. And then in the death, Jesus, he paid for our cleansing with his blood. With his blood. And so he gave himself in my place. And then he provided his blood for my cleansing. That's how it works out. And how thankful we are. Ephesians 2, 13 says, and this can be said of all of us in reality, those who were far off were made near by the blood of Jesus. For Christ Jesus himself is our peace. Notice that together there, Ephesians 2, 13 and 14. The blood of Jesus can bring us close to God, for Jesus himself is our peace. He is our peace. He's our prince of peace. Colossians 1, verse 20 says, Jesus has reconciled all things together unto himself, making peace by the blood of his cross. Making peace by the blood of his cross. We began by saying that deep down within all of us is a quest for peace. 
people go this way and that way in search of this peace. But if a person has not yet started that quest for peace, perhaps knowing of the price that was paid for peace can instill within that person a greater desire to be right with God. And so we begin with the gospel of peace and then to the God of peace and then to the price of peace. And then from there, there's the possibility of peace, the inner peace that God will, will provide for us if we follow his ways. Okay. The inner peace, the possibility of peace. Any honest soul can attain this peace offers, God offers uh, from his throne. Okay. Any honest soul. This pathway to peace begins by hearing and accepting several historical facts about Jesus. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. And then the next step in this pathway uh, to peace is to trust in the Lord as your Savior. John three thirty six says, He that believes on the Son... That same person will have eternal life. But he that does not obey the Son cannot see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So the next step is to trust the Lord as our Savior. And then the next step is to be sorry for our sins, being sorry for our sins and turning away from them. And that's what repentance is. The next step is confessing our faith in Jesus as our Lord, Romans 10, 9 and 10. And then being immersed in water for the remission of sins, for cleansing of the sin, according to Acts 22, uh, 16. Now, it's interesting that over in Philippians 4 and verse 7, where Paul mentions peace that passes understanding, he says this peace is in Christ. This peace is in Christ. And it's also interesting that in 2 Timothy 2, verse 10, Paul says that salvation is in Christ. In Christ. And we read from such passages as Galatians 3.27 that when we are baptized, we're baptized into Christ. Now go back to John 16.33 where Jesus says, I have spoken. I have spoken. Christopher, Mandalorian. Jesus says, I have spoken these things. So that in me, you might have peace. You see, the peace that the Lord offers is in Christ. And so this inner peace is plainly available. And then, on top of inner peace, with Jesus, we can have a mind of peace. A mind of peace. Staying right there in Philippians 4 and verse 7, where Paul continues to discuss the peace that passes understanding. He says this peace can guard our hearts and our minds. It can guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. To guard is to protect. The peace of God, when we are firmly established in the peace of God, then it can protect our minds. You see, there's a lot of creatures out there that would want to hurt our minds. There's a lot what you might call mind maggots. Mind maggots that will want to eat away at our peace. Right? The peace of God with the gospel of God can protect us from these mind maggots. Let me give you a couple of 
of samples here. For example, uh, possessions, pursuing possessions can be a mind maggot. Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, 9 and 10, that those who are minded to be rich, that's his words, those are his words, those who are minded to be rich, they fall into a lot of snares and traps and they drown themselves in destruction and perdition and they pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Those are Paul's words. And so pursuing material possessions can be a mind maggot. Also, worry. Worry is one of the big mind maggots. But Jesus wondered about this and he reasons with us on this. Matthew 6 25 and 26, he says, Don't you know that life is a lot more than just the physical? In fact, life, life is mostly about not physical. He says, Therefore, don't be anxious about what you're going to drink, what you're going to eat, or what you're going to put on. Is, this is Jesus asking, Is not life more than food? And is not the body more than what you put on the body, more than clothes? And so definitely worry is a mind maggot. And so, so is unforgiveness. It's one of the big ones. Not being willing to forgive can destroy a person's peace of mind. No doubt about it. It can. And listen to Paul's words in Ephesians chapter 4, 31 and 32, where he says, Put away all wrath and bitterness and anger and clamor with all malice. Be kind one to another, uh, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. Those are words that just ring down through the ages of time, but ought to be ringing loud in our hearts. And then a divided mind can be a mind maggot against a peace of mind. See, James 1 verse 8 says, A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. He's talking about prayer there. He says, when you pray, don't pray doubting, don't pray guessing, pray with full faith. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And so, look what we're doing here. We're just touching on the different features of peace. It begins with the gospel of peace because that's where you learn and read about it all. And then that proceeds for us to learn about the God of peace. And then that proceeds and causes us to go further and learn about the price for peace. And looking at that price for peace, we see that it's possible for us to have the peace, the inner peace. And then God wants us also to have a mind of peace. And the, the peace, when, we are, when we're in the gospel of peace, it can help us to be protected from all these mind maggots that are floating around. Next, then, there is what we call... The shoes of peace. Going back to Ephesians 6 verse 15. Paul is talking about the Christian armor there, as you know. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Okay. And he mentions there having on a belt of truth and having on a breastplate of righteousness. He eventually comes to say, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So we've got to put on our shoes of peace. There are all kinds of shoes in this world, aren't they? How many different pairs of shoes do you have? And what is the purpose of all these shoes? But the biggest question in life, do we have on the shoes of peace? It comes from the gospel of peace. What Paul is saying here is, 
that when we put on these shoes, we can be prepared for all the attacks of Satan. And does he ever come after us? You say, well, what are the attacks of Satan? It's not just one thing. It's anything. Anything Satan can use. Anything in any person in any circumstance circumstance that Satan can use to take us down, he's going to use it. It is... It is an overwhelming experience in a sense. Now, the Roman soldier, when he would be in battle, would use shoes that would have cleats on the bottom or spikes on the bottom. That would give him, in his hand-to-hand combat, that would give him sure footing. It would give him a, a way of standing firm. It would assure that he could not be knocked over easily. It was going to take a huge blow to knock him over. And this is what Paul is trying to get across uh, to us. Put on your shoes of peace so that you can stand. You can stand against the wiles of the devil. You can have sure footing. You can stand strong because the devil is going to come after us. Sometimes it's an assault on who we are, assault on the doctrines of Christ, assault on the Bible itself. Okay. Many times Satan attacks us by using the different circumstances in life to create doubt in us. Okay. And he'll use anything he can. It's like a storm that he uses. I'm reminded of the weather channel. And we hate to see the hurricanes come upon any land or city and it causes devastation. We don't want anybody to lose their life. That doesn't cause us to lose our sense of humor because it can be entertaining, can it? To watch those reporters on the Weather Channel or wherever are standing there and the hurricane is coming. They've told everybody else to evacuate, but they're not going to evacuate. They're going to stand there and take the storm. And they they begin to get blown around. It's quite entertaining for those of us who have nothing else to entertain us. And so oftentimes I've watched that. I've I've wanted to just say, is there anybody holding that, that girl's feet down? Somebody needs to be holding her feet down. She's going to stand out there and take this. Somebody needs to be holding her feet down. She needs a, she needs a firm footing. Okay. Well, think of that as Satan's assaults. And he's coming at us. It's much more dangerous. It's much, much more serious than any kind of storm. He is coming after our soul. And we must have on our shoes of peace. If we're not standing firm, it's because we've taken off our shoes. We've got to have on our shoes of peace in order to stand firm. There are some excellent examples of this. Going back to the example of Jesus, John 14 and 27. He says, my peace I leave with you. Notice he says, I leave it with you. He is about to go into a very non-peaceful situation, isn't he? What does he have waiting for him? Well, he's got the weight of the sins of the world on his shoulders emotionally. He's got a whipping ahead of him that would kill most people, just the whipping itself. He's got the crown of thorns waiting on him. 
He's got six hours of torture waiting on him. But he's able to say, my peace, I leave with you. Not as the world offers you, he says. What does the world offer? Well, appeal, right? Appeal, a shot, an entertainment. Okay. Job, money, status, power, control. We know what the world offers. Jesus said, that's not where you find peace. You find it in me, he says. So think about the example of Jesus. I think about the example of Paul, too. Most of what Paul writes, he writes under distress. He's either in a hurry, being chased by somebody, or he's already in prison. But notice what Paul says in Colossians 3.15. He says, Colossians 3.15, he says, Let the peace of Jesus rule your hearts. He says, in other words, instead of being dominated by your circumstances, then be dominated by the peace of Jesus in your hearts. And that's what Paul lived out every day in his life. How do you roll? How do you, what is normative to you? What dominates? Worry? Does worry dominate? Or does the peace of Jesus uh, dominate? And going way back, I think about the example of those three Hebrew boys, Daniel 3, 16 and 17, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're not going to bow down, no matter what. They're not going to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's uh, golden image. And they tell him so. They tell him in, un, in no uncertain words, we're not going to bow down to your image. We don't have to think about this king. We don't have to deliberate whatsoever. We are, we are not going to bow down. They believed that God was able to deliver them from the fire. They said, even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down to your golden image. Of course, Nebuchadnezzar has become very ticked off, very furious about this. So he tells them, tells his servants, make the fire seven times hotter. And he throws the boys in there. And he looks down in there, and they're just walking around in the fire. But there's a fourth one there. The fourth one is the Son of God. The fourth one's there. You see, having peace with God, having the peace of God, does not mean there won't be fire. In fact, it's going to be more likely you will have fire if you follow Jesus. But the Lord will be with us in that fire. And so there is the shoes of peace. And finally, we need to be leaders of peace. Leaders of peace. The Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, Matthew 5, 8 and 9, for they are the sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. We certainly don't need to follow the ways of the world and look for peace in a thousand other places except for God himself. But more than that, we don't need to just barely make it either. As followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're not looking to just be survivors in this world. 
but rather the Lord expects us to be leaders in this peacemaking business. I'm talking about making peace between man and God. If that peace is made, then peace between other, you and other people is going to be a piece of cake. Blessed are the peacemakers. Am I helping other people come to know the peace they can have from God Almighty? Blessed are the peacemakers. God doesn't want us just surviving, merely getting by. Everybody in the world's doing that. Anybody walking around taking air right now, they're all doing that. They're getting by somehow. That's not what the Lord calls us to do. The Lord calls us to know about peace and have it well handled in our lives. To have it under control. To not be moved by circumstances. But rather to be in a position to where we're able to help somebody else come to know that peace available in Jesus Christ. It begins with the gospel of peace. And from there we learn about the God of peace. The price that has been given for peace. The inner peace that can be ours. The mind of peace that can be protected by uh, the gospel. The shoes of peace that we've got to have on for our sure footing. And we end here by God's ending. God's desire that we be peacemakers. Making peace. Helping others to make this peace in the world. John 14, 27, as we close. Jesus, no, let's go back to John 16, 33. That's just become my favorite verse. John 16, 33, Jesus said, I've spoken these things that you may in me have peace. In the world you have tribulation. But be a good cheer, I have overcome the world. It comes down to two choices, doesn't it? It's either Jesus or the world. In Jesus' peace, in the world tribulation, let's use these verses to inspire our own souls and help others as well. Will you come right now as we stand together, as we sing for the air?